The legal battle over preserving video games is heating up, Black Ops 3 teases itself on Snapchat, and Super Nintendo's A Link to the Past turns 23 years old. Today is Sunday, April 12th, 2015. This is the 1P vs. 2P podcast. I'm Dark World Taylor Ray. With me, as always, is Hookshot Ryan Ray. Hey, what's up? Hey, how you doing? All right, let's get started with our first segment. First attack. We're talking about our top stories from this past week. Let's talk about Amazon spending big bucks on purchasing Crytek's engine. So Kotaku was reporting that Amazon spent enough money to help Crytek recover from a lot of the financial difficulties that it experienced last year. They were looking at uh, laying off a ton of their staff, and it was a, it was a huge deal. Um, and it looks like Amazon is really getting into the gaming market, um, purchasing this uh, engine to license out to other games. Uh, Ryan, what's the big deal here? I mean, <clears throat> the big deal is that there's a there's speculation that Amazon's kind of getting into gaming. Um, they've already acquired uh, Portal lead Kim Swift and uh, Far Cry 2 designer Clint Hawking. Um, if you also remember, they were very famously purchased Double Helix, which are the developers behind the latest Killer Instinct. And uh, they also made the Fire TV, that uh, streaming device slash gaming thing that really didn't pick up any speed. Um, and this seems to indicate that they're interested seriously in, in making or, you know, licensing out video game content. Um, CryEngine is one of the biggest engines out there besides Unreal and probably Unity and uh, has been used in, in such games as Crisis and Rise. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know what Amazon's doing. It's kind of a big secret. Yeah, it sounds like the number is somewhere between 50 and $70 million, but um, this was from an anonymous source. Uh, they can't pinpoint it because it hasn't been public yet. But this deal is huge for Amazon, I think, because... Um, a lot of developers already use CryEngine. Um, they license from it. I mean, if you look at Evolve very recently, um, Bethesda, they're making a free-to-play game that's coming out soon called Battle Cry. Yeah, it's essentially like a graphics renderer. It's, an, it's a very powerful engine. seems to be very popular um, for a lot of games. And I think Crytek is trying to get out of developing games and selling off that engine to Amazon. So... Yeah, this this is huge, huge news. Amazon's already a huge market player in a lot of different industries. They're trying to break into the gaming market. They're going to be a big player someday um, as a as a major, major publisher, I'm sure. I also think it's kind of an interesting inroad into Europe because Crytek is a British developer, and uh, maybe Amazon's trying to get inroads with um, other developers in Europe and uh, maybe building like a gaming distribution thing out there. So I, I don't know. It's anybody's guess what they're doing. All right, Taylor, let's move on to uh, the next story we have this week. Uh, Professor Layton and Fantasy Life are both getting sequels, uh, except that they're now mobile games. Uh, Level 5 announced this week. I'm not happy about it. I'm a huge Professor Layton fan, not so much Fantasy Life fan. Um, I'm a sucker for physical copies. I love them on the 3DS. They build such rich, rich worlds and big, big stories in the Professor Layton series. And now I have to settle for freemium models for some weird tabletop party game involving latent characters. It, they put out some of their screenshots to kind of tease this kind of thing. 
And it's really, really, really sad. I wish Nintendo kind of courted them to still publish um, what they were putting out, but it seems to me like they just can't resist the freemium model that smartphones are offering nowadays. A lot of developers are uh, moving towards that model, and publishers are really pushing for that um, because it's really easy to do, I think. Um, to put this out on Android, iPhone, on those app stores, it sounds like um, a very small barrier to entry compared to putting out a physical copy of a game. And I'm very, very disappointed. The business reality of this is that there are a lot more uh, iPhones and regular Android phones out there than there are 3DSs or any other kind of console. But I agree with you. This is very disappointing news. Uh, Layton is a very modern franchise. You know, Fantasy Life was a game released on 3DS last year, and they're already announcing a sequel for, for a mobile port. It's really disappointing, especially from this developer. Um, they make a lot of imaginative games. Dark Cloud, um, they made that great Nino Kuni game. Um, and Level 5 is, man, one of the, the old Star Wars of uh, JRPGs. And to make them into this mobile developer, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's kind of gross. And especially with stuff as like exciting as Layton and Fantasy Life are. Yeah, I mean, Fantasy Life looks like those generic apps that you see that it's like building a village, you know, and uh, uh, pay in-game currency to speed up your workers to put up your farm output. It just seems so skeezy, and I'm really, really disappointed they're moving in that direction. Um, but I don't think they're direct sequels. I think Level 5 is considering these as spin-offs, but it's unclear if they're going to continue working with other major publishers like Nintendo um, to put out uh, larger physical games, but we'll see. I hope they do. I really do. All right, let's move on to a huge story um, that's picking up a lot of steam. Um, there's a legal battle over gaming's past. So the ESA, uh, which is the Entertainment Software Association, and the EFF, they're the Electronic Frontier Foundation, they're both arguing over how to preserve video games. So the EFF approached the U.S. Copyright Office to carve out an exemption for game enthusiasts, museums, and academics for them to circumvent things like, you know, online servers that have been disconnected. And the ESA had a huge rebuttal disagreeing, saying they want to protect um, uh, industry interests. Ryan, what have you made about all of this? Yeah, uh, you know, both both groups are super interesting. The ESA is basically a, a lobbying group um, defending game industry interests. And the EFF is really a, a nonprofit digital rights group. Uh, they're a lot like ProPublica in that way. Um, and it's interesting that the EFF says that uh, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, um, which is a copyright law passed in 1998, uh, specifically creates legal difficulty for uh, those who are modified games to keep them working after the servers they need are shut down. So, uh, Taylor, let's say you own a gaming museum or, you know, even a, a huge collection, which I know you do. Yeah, um, when <laughs> start a museum. <laughs> right. When, when a publisher shuts down servers, let's say it's uh, Madden, um, you may want to hack the console. People have done this before with, like, the original Xbox uh, to recreate Xbox Live to, in order for you to continue playing some of those modes. Um uh, but according to the EFF, uh, it's technically not legal. It's considered piracy. And uh, this is why they reached out to the Copyright Office to carve out the special exemption. And uh, surprise, the people who make video games disagree. And uh, yeah, I really want the EFF to continue doing this kind of work and, you know, pushing 
copyright law for more fair use and for archivists to actually do the work. And even for academics, if you want to continue studying this stuff, if you care at all about the history of video games or video game culture, um, they're going to be need to look at, at some of this older stuff that's no longer going to be available once, you know, PSN, Xbox Live, and even, you know, the Wii Shop shuts down. Exactly. I agree with you. I think I'm more on the side of the EFF, um, carving out that exemption with the Copyright Office. This is this is a huge, huge deal in the video game community because, you know, the ESA is basically arguing that um, allowing people to circumvent access controls on video game consoles, yeah, it's going to increase piracy, they're going to lose money, you're going to significantly reduce users' options to access copyrighted works, and uh, overall you're going to decrease the value of those works for copyright owners. So copyright owners feel like uh, they're losing um, a lot of what they've paid for for these licenses. Um, for these older video games. But if you look at it from a gamer standpoint, you're losing a lot of these, uh, for example, online-only games. Um, games that are only uh, a couple of years old are being shut down because um, there aren't enough numbers to support um, standing up servers. So what do, what do they do? You know, hackers and modders create their own private servers, host their own um, machines to keep the game running, not necessarily to support a community um, that wants to keep playing, but to preserve the video game so it still lives. So eventually, if you do want to go back and study this or play the video game, what have you, um, it's still possible even if the license holders uh, don't want to run them. So it's an incredibly important issue. Yeah, right. And <clears throat> let's say Steam one day decides to shut down. Like, imagine how many people are going to be out games. Like, that's just crazy town. And uh, yeah. if the ESA, ESA gets their way on this, um, you know, as one game archivist said, uh, speaking anonymously because he works in the industry, he said, this is the most terrifying thing I've read in a very, very long time. And uh, I have to agree with him. This is a scary proposition. And and he also mentioned that, uh, and I think a lot of archivists uh, would agree that we aren't preserving video games correctly. And without m- things like nonprofits and museums to rely on, you know, conventions, for example, um, it's the biggest threat to our history that has emerged since the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the DMCA that you talked about before. Yeah, yeah. Super depressing news. All right, let's move on to happier news. <laughs> New games. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Square Enix launched a uh, three-day di- three augmented reality uh, game on Twitch, and uh, it was leaked. Uh, the surprise was that it's a new Deus Ex game c- called Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Um, it's currently being developed for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Tiel, how excited are you for this new Deus Ex? I am very excited, and I watched this Twitch stream. I had it on sort of in the background. Um, it wasn't very active. There wasn't a ton going on, but I thought it was a very unique, innovative way for them to to tease this. Um, they had a trending hashtag. It was a big thing on Twitter and Twitch. Basically, they just showed... Uh, captives that were in this holding cell and it sort of looked like a live feed and basically you could vote whether or not um the prisoner could be killed off or let live or that kind of stuff and i'm guessing it ties into the game obviously otherwise why would they do this but uh you don't see this too often i mean who who announces their game kind of like this like an interactive game on twitch is actually a front for a real game that's being announced so deus ex awesome franchise can't wait for it it's a cover story on a lot of uh, magazines like game informer and uh seems really really neat but there are a lot of other announcements um this past week um ghost in the shell 
uh, first person shooter is going to come to the West in uh, 2015 this year. Yeah, it's uh, based on an anime, which I've never watched. Um, but hooray, another first person shooter game. Uh, hopefully it's good. And also we have, uh, I, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing this, Yokai Watch 3 um, to be set in the U.S. And it's my understanding it's going to be kind of uh, along the same veins as like uh, Digimon or Pokemon, right? Right. So this is already a hit franchise in Japan. Uh, the first two games were Japan-only releases, and they're finally bringing one to the U.S. Um, I don't know if the kids still play Pokemon, but uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I really like monster collecting and fighting games. Um, you know, hopefully that'll start a whole new generation on uh, those kinds of games. You don't know if the kids still play Pokemon. Let me tell you, the kids still play Pokemon. Okay, it's still <laughs> a big boom. Um, speaking of big boom for the kids, Lego Dimensions is announced, and this is a toy tie-in uh, video game, just like Skylanders, just like Amiibos. Um, it actually uses Lego toys, so it, this is going to be become a very, very huge thing, don't you think? I feel like this is the thing that everybody was kind of waiting for with the, uh, quote, toys to life category. Um, you know, it, kids love Lego, and uh, they it's they've come out with a bunch of sequels for those Lego games. Uh, Lego Star Wars, Lego Harry Potter, Lego Lord of the Rings, Lego Batman, Lego Marvel superheroes, like you name it, Lego has it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for them to actually make a game where you could actually put real, make Legos and, uh, you know, put them in a video game, like, that sounds great. That sounds like a great use of that license. So, uh, not so great on parents' wallets, though. I mean, look at Disney Infinity. I mean, jeez. <laughs> right. And last but absolutely not least is Call of Duty Black Ops 3 was officially confirmed, um, for this year. And it was a really cool way, the way they teased this. Uh, there was a Snapchat Easter egg in Black Ops 2. People were noticing um, QR codes that were posted in, in maps in Black Ops 2, and everyone kind of saw and, you know, were linking to it, and they're like, what is this kind of stuff? And there was a lot of um, uh, speculation, but eventually uh, it was confirmed Black Ops 3 will be the next Call of Duty game. It takes place in the future, um, I imagine past Advanced Warfare, but will include a lot of the same gameplay aspects. Right. It's uh, still going to have uh, series regular Alex Mason. And, uh, of course, like it was in the last two Black Ops, it's all about the numbers. So, um, yeah, trailer is very exciting. I can't wait to play it. Uh, hopefully they kind of take the single player interestingly. Black Ops 2 had a very interesting, they had some, like, tactical levels. Um, you know, of course, nobody played that because everybody was busy playing the multiplayer. But um, we'll see. I Call of Duty continues to be this fascinating franchise that nobody can stop playing. So... I hope the next series entry into it is really good. Let's move on to the new releases for this week. I love new releases. So this week, GTA V for PC is finally dropping, and uh, it's shipping on seven discs at the retail version. Uh, by comparison, 2008's GTA IV shipped on just two DVDs. Taylor, are you excited for GTA V on PC? I think it's going to be awesome. Can you imagine the modding community for this game? It's going to be bananas. And I think the online community will be a lot um, bigger versus the consoles because online heists came way, way, way too late um, past the uh, original release of GTA V last year. So, um, But seven discs, it's not even worth making that. Are they losing money on this thing? I mean, come on. I would just distribute it uh, digitally at that point. It's just so huge, right? Right. I mean, it's going to be a huge game. It's uh, you know available on Steam and all the other uh, PC platforms digitally. 
and uh, the game's going to look beautiful, but I don't know who's going to be able to run it. I, I might, I'm considering upgrading my computer, and uh, the, that's the only way I can see myself playing GTA V on PC. Um, the console versions, to be fair, uh, looked really good. Um, you know, the redo on PS4 and Xbox One, and then the, the very first version, you know, which was late model PS3, Xbox 360 game, um, you know, also looked really great. Um, but yeah, I cannot wait to see what kind of wackiness comes out of the uh, modding community for GTA V. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto has always been a very popular target for modders, and uh, it's going to be look. I mean, it's going to be amazing, right. uh, no doubt. But the marquee release for this week is Mortal Kombat X or Mortal Kombat 10, if you prefer. That's out for everything. Oh boy, this promises to be more violent than ever. Taylor, are you going to play Mortal Kombat 10? Of course, of course. Um, and you said it's going to come out on everything. That's including smartphones. It's actually already out right, on the Right, but that's a different stores. version of the game. That's uh, basically like uh, WWE Immortals or, you know, the other games that Neversoft has put on. Um, or Neversoft. I'm sorry, Neverrealm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I- I'm very excited for this. The fatalities in Mortal Kombat 9 were super exciting. It looked really good. It played very well. The, c- the trolls were... Um, it's really easy to follow, for, especially for people who kind of fall in and fall out of fighting games. And um, the story mode was really cool. It, it really did a good job of introducing characters and making you play all the characters and uh, not being very intimidating. The challenge tower was great. Um, yeah, so I can't wait to play Mortal Kombat 10. Well, also, the last Mortal Kombat also... Uh got you involved and invested in the story i felt like the single player campaign wasn't just uh climb the ladder and fight all these different enemies as the same character um it was actually a fully fleshed out um story what was going on in the mortal Kombat universe as you jump from character to character um very very cool a lot of um fighting games don't do that it was awesome and i hope they continue that with uh mortal Kombat x um i'm waiting for the day that um, they put out a Mortal Kombat that will be AO, that will just be completely over-the-top, gruesome, and graphic, because they're really towing the line on that M for Mature rating, don't you think? I mean, AO would basically have to, like, Mortal Kombat would have to become a snuff film, which it's just on the verge of doing that, or, you know, <laughs> mildly much. pornographic, but um, right now it's just like, you know, people's kidneys getting blasted, and it's just like cartoony violence. cracking. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's really gross to look at, but... Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's quite crossed that threshold, but it might with the next one. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, speaking of things that are less violent, uh, let's move on to <laughs> what's being released on 3ds, uh, which is Xenoblade Chronicles 3d. This is a port of the original Wii version. Um, obviously on 3d in 3d. Um, I don't know. Did you play the original Xenoblade Chronicles at all? Mm, no, I didn't. I know it's really critically acclaimed, and unfortunately, I see a lot of early previews and reviews for um, this version, and it's kind of uh, a dumbed-down version of what you experienced on Wii. Um, but I welcome any JRPG that's going to come out on handhelds. If it's Vita 3DS, I don't really care, but I am very interested in trying this out because I missed out on the Wii version, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the original Xenoblade Chronicles on Wii was super rare, uh, GameStop did that reissue, which is when I actually picked up a copy. Um, yeah, I've been hearing the same things about the 3D version, or uh, the 3DS version. Um, you know, obviously the 3DS hardware isn't as powerful as the Wii or the Wii U stuff. But uh, again, I think JRPGs work really well on portable systems, and uh, particularly on those longer, longer trips. So uh, yeah, I hope people pick up and play it. 
And uh, lastly, for um, PS4, Vita, and PC, we have Titan Souls. Taylor, do you know anything about Titan Souls? No, tell me about it, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, I do know. Um, it's uh, Devolver Digital is uh, uh, publishing this, is that correct? Right, and um, this has basically been described as the indie version of Shadow of the Colossus. It's been showed at uh, PAX Prime. Um, it looks super promising. Um, you know, Sony has really supported this. Uh, just like Axiom Verge a couple of weeks ago, uh, they have this uh, new trend of... Um, supporting indies and titan souls looks like the graphical style looks really amazing and um it's pixelated right right Correct? it's pixelated and um you know it's you know one guy and you're seemingly trying to you know go through different environments and i'm not describing it very well but uh the previews have it's an action game where you're facing off against like huge ridiculously ginormous monsters right, right. just like right. shadow of the colossus right yeah. and uh it looks super promising so i yeah <laughs> super good okay now let's take a quick break to talk about our giveaway the past couple of episodes we've been talking about these gg buttons so what's a gg button that's what you hear when you push a gg button so gg means good game it's a sign of good sportsmanship the folks at ggbutton.com have generously given us six of these things to give away. And Ryan and I will be producing a super music show uh, next week. So this Saturday is our last day we're going to be accepting uh, entries for our giveaway. Tell us about your favorite songs, your favorite music, your favorite composers from video games, anything. Tweet at us at 1PVS2P underscore podcast or on Facebook facebook.com slash 1pvs2p uh, tell us anything tell us about your favorite soundtracks we want to hear it we'll pick out six of our favorites okay and we will send you a free gg button if we read yours on our music episode next week as always this is the perfect segue to our next segment gg good game two the people who found the very touching memorial in Grand Theft Auto. So um, if you've been following this story, uh, there were a lot of GTA 5 players that were searching for the secret jetpack, um, posting on forums about this kind of thing. Um, instead, what they found was a very, very um, nice memorial of a former Rockstar employee. So um, last month, they were trying to solve this uh, mystery um, on a mountain in uh, Los Santos, the world of GTA V, and they stumbled upon this Easter egg on a park bench. And uh, after some research, um, these players found out that this bench wasn't really part of the whole mystery that they were um, really delving into. Instead, what they found was that Rockstar... Um, put this little plaque on a bench um, for Chris Edwards. Chris Edwards was an employee. He was credited on um, titles like Max Payne, GTA, L.A. Noir, and he passed away in 2014. This is uh, this is pretty pretty heartwarming. It seems like um, this hunt for this uh, uh, this jetpack Easter egg instead was really a front for players to discover uh, this tribute. 
Right. It's it's really rare that uh, developers actually put tributes to their former employees. Usually it's in the credits. And for them to put it into a game, particularly when it's a game like Grand Theft Auto, um, this thing that you would never find or never look at, you would just see as kind of another uh, small detail, uh, which these games, to be fair, have a lot of. Um, it's, it's really, really touching and really, really moving. And, um, Chris Edwards's widow confirms that this is, uh, this was for him. So really moving story. I really hope that, um, because, you know, game development takes a long time. It takes, you know, anywhere from five to seven to 10 years and things happen. And, um, I really wish more developers would, uh, honor their, their fallen employees and artists, um, like Rockstar has in, in this case. Yeah. So. Good GG yes, to them. Absolutely. And also Chris's widow, she didn't have a PS4. Um, so she hadn't actually seen it for herself. Um, but it's sort of on this um this uh mountain overlook view where there's uh some park benches around it, and the plaque for Chris Edwards says in memory of Chris Edwards. Um this story is a good game, GG to Rockstar. This week in gaming history. This week in gaming history, we have The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. This was released uh, April 13th, 1992 on the SNES. and makes The Legend of Zelda 23 years old. Very fond of this game. This is really the gold standard for what RPGs need to be. Uh, It had a huge world. So the plot of Link to the Past um, was that you're Link, right? Uh, You're trying to save Hyrule, obviously. Defeat Ganon. Yeah, that's in every game. Um, but you got to rescue the descendants of all these uh, sages. And it had this top-down perspective, just like the original Legend of Zelda on NES. Um, it didn't include the side-scrolling ones um, uh, from uh, Zelda 2, uh, The Adventure of Link. Um, and it introduced a lot of RPG elements that you see today in the Legend of Zelda series. So things like the concept of an alternate or parallel world, like the Dark World. Um, the Master Sword, and a lot of weapons and items like bombs and hookshots, that kind of stuff. Um, and it recently was ported to both, um, you know, Virtual Console for Wii and Wii U. Um, this was such an amazing game um, created by an all-star cast um, from Nintendo. Shigeru Miyamoto was the producer. Koji Kondo was the composer. Really, really fantastic action-adventure game. You're right. This this game is often cited as probably the best game of all time, which I can't disagree. It's probably, besides uh, Ocarina of Time on N64, probably the perennial uh, favorite among Zelda fans. And um, it had really good action, you know, eight eight dungeons plus the uh, Dark World. Um, really, really great stuff. A net, very natural progression. It controlled very well. I've uh, been ported a million times. There was actually a, a tribute to it uh, in in the new 3DS version, A Link Between Worlds, which is kind of based off of this original template of A Link to the Past. Um, yeah, just the standard bearer for all RPGs moving forward. Um, really, one of the best game on the Super Nintendo. Uh, I I don't. Any, if you know somebody who doesn't like this game, you are not their friend anymore. It's it's just really <laughs> it's really that fantastic. Can't argue with that. And. Uh, What's really cool about this was that the music was an incredible, incredible score, right? Composed by Koji Kondo, like I said before, 
the overworld theme um, is so iconic for the Zelda series. Yeah, let's listen to it right now. Also, what was really neat about this game was before it was localized um, from Japan, right, translated to uh, English for North America, it was actually named the Triforce of the Gods as the subtitle, but it was changed to A Link to the Past to remove some of the uh, religious connotations. Also, some aesthetic changes within the game. I mean, there was like a, a chapel with some stained glass windows and altars. They were modified for the North American release to make him more subdued, but a very, very classic, classic, classic action-adventure game on the Super Nintendo. I can't uh, argue with the fact that it's one of the best. Okay, Ryan, you ready to go to the bonus stage now? Let's do it. A Five Nights at Freddy's movie is in development at Warner Brothers. All I know is there better be a Chuck E. Cheese cameo. Yeah, exactly. Yacht Club Games is detailing Kratos' appearance in Shovel Knight on PS4, PS3, and Vita. What, no sex minigame? <laughs> oh, no, we can't. The name of the next Tony Hawk game may have been leaked by Tony's caterer. A better question would be, what's the name of the next Tony Hawk caterer? <laughs> Right. Blizzard, uh, there's a report that they're pulling the plug on players in Crimea over U.S. trade sanctions. In Crimea, no Warcraft for you. <laughs> Did you hear about that you can tour a working Pac-Man cabinet built inside a Minecraft? Do you think Pac-Man can eat a creeper? Maybe, I don't know. Uh, and finally, Nintendo updated Codename Steam to address the game's painfully slow turns. Oh, maybe it'll make that turn shorter than the Civil War. <laughs> Better. <laughs> All right, that's it. If you liked and or hated the show, please subscribe and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. It's a huge help. All of our episodes can also be heard on our site, which is 1pvs2p.com. You can also subscribe through RSS, and all of our sources are posted at the link in the show notes. If you have questions for us, send it our way on Facebook, facebook.com slash... 1PVS2P and Twitter at 1PVS2P underscore podcast. I'd like to thank Phonetic Hero for the use of the songs for our show. They're part of the compilation project Chiptunes Equals Win. I also want to thank the folks at GG Button for the use of their sound effect. Check out our GG Button giveaway on our site. It ends this Saturday.